never gonna give you up. No, 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 never gonna give you up. What up? Welcome in. It's Here We Go episode 50. Check in with yourself right now. How are you? Honestly, take a moment. Ask yourself. You feeling good? Relaxed? Happy? Are you feeling stressed? Anxious? On edge? Are you feeling neutral? Are you feeling drained? Are you feeling exhausted? You need a vacation? Are you feeling fully charged and ready to rock? Are you feeling like I should stop asking questions and just get to it? All right, let's get to it. I have a new activity you should try out. Honestly, this is a fun activity. I want you to really follow these instructions. You go to Yelp, you find the one-star reviews, and then read what that business owner replies. You're thinking, that doesn't sound so fun. Oh, yeah. Trust me. You go to Yelp. Who needs all the five-star reviews? I mean, honestly, you can read a few of those and you go, okay, they like it. They like the product. They like the business. But really, I know we're all scrolling to see that one star, someone that's just about to shred it. And some of these get really personal. It's not like they waited for the blood to stop boiling before they typed and submitted. But in the storm of their rage, they typed the Yelp review and just said, post it. Fuck it. Post it. These are my thoughts, my irrational, unfiltered thoughts, as I am so upset with a business or a restaurant or a store. So read the review. Usually it's a good solid three to four paragraphs. The angrier, the longer. This is the rule of thumb. But this activity is not complete unless you read the response of the business owner. So whatever you're in the market for, I assume that's how you do a little research, right? So for us, It's been sofa, got to find a new sofa, sleeper, one that folds out, very 1980s with the bar in your back, fold out sofa. I don't know why, it just sounds so 80s, Uh, but we're looking for one of those and also tree removal. And before the environmentalists start to pick it around my house, I'm acting like we're that popular, but hey, hey, before you environmentalists start to attack me, but really we have a tree that just rains down litter. I mean, it's berries but not the kind of berries you can eat, just the kind of berries that stain your driveway and make sure that you'll track a bunch of shit in your house. You know, one of those trees. It's actually called a shit tree. I looked that up. No? No, is that a lie? Yeah, it is. Uh, I think it's an elderberry tree, also known as the worst tree you can have in your front yard. So yeah, I'm searching around tree removal companies and I'm reading some of the reviews and most of them are, hey, they are the best. They remove your tree and they do it well boring and then keep scrolling keep scrolling keep scrolling you'll find it boom one star usually i would have given it zero stars if they let me this shit for brains shows up three hours late parks in our driveway and closes us in insults my child by calling him the wrong gender eats all the string cheese in our fridge Holds my grandfather hostage. Smells up the bathroom. Shaves my cat. And my cat did not need to be shaved. And then did an awful job. Removing our tree. They left most of the tree. That's how bad they did. 
we still have most of the tree, like a big stump. And then it's just like, whoa, this happened? This sounds like a terrible tree service. You could read 60 great reviews. If I read one bad one, I go, uh-oh. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I think we all look at that one bad review and go, could that be true? Moving on. But the reply is usually one of two things. Number one, you kill them with kindness. Hello, customer. I'm so sorry you had that experience with us. I do hope in the future, if you give us another chance, we can rectify your situation. Best wishes. Tree removal guy. Or you get a lot of denial. Hello, customer. This never happened. We don't know you. You never used our company. Isn't that scary? If that's true, these people who never used the company just decided to go after them. Why? Are they the rival company using Yelp to attack them? Could be. What do I know? Nothing. I'm just sitting back enjoying the entertainment. So there's a certain level of levity to it, but you got to feel bad for the business owner. If in fact that Yelp review is hogwash, I think that's the first time I've ever used the word hogwash, but I'm pretty sure I used it perfectly. If that Yelp review, you know, the hatchet job is hogwash, total hogwash. What the hell does hogwash even mean? All right, I got to get out of that. I got to get out of that. Stay on track. Then I wonder, do business owners have the ability to take reviews down? I don't know. Is this a whole censorship, freedom of speech type of conversation all of a sudden? I've also seen where the business owners go right back. They go right back on the attack mode. That's really good. Really good. Maybe at a restaurant, the waiter never come by to refill our waters. The bread was stale. The food was old. The ambiance was garbage. People were mean. Parking was tough. One star. Awful restaurant should go out of business. Dear patron, we felt like you were the worst customer we've ever had. It's clearly an Italian restaurant and you kept ordering spicy tuna rolls. You slurred our kitchen staff and the stream of epithets that came out of your mouth as we served you a complimentary dessert because you claimed it was your birthday was just totally upsetting for all of us. Please never return to our restaurant. You could get some good back and forth in the world of Yelp. If I was a business owner, I don't know if I would do the reply. It's like the message board world, the most toxic world, just anonymous people yelling at each other under aliases. You can't deny that Yelp's powerful, though. Yelp is really powerful. I guarantee whoever I'm going to for the tree removal company, they'll have the best Yelp reviews and maybe the most affordable. Or maybe I'll do it myself. You hear me? Maybe I'll go ahead and get a chainsaw and some orange cones and I'll get myself a hard hat. That's all you need. Orange cones, hard hat, chainsaw. Chainsaw Rosenberg going for the branches. You heard me. You heard me. I guess Yelp is so powerful, though. Let's just say I quit everything in life and just start my own bagel shop. Let's just say I stop everything I'm doing and decide I'm going to put my entire focus into bagelry. And I got a location and I feel like I got a great bagel recipe and I got some good locks and whitefish and chopped liver. And I'm going to create a real nice New York style Jewish deli. And if the first four Yelp reviews are all one stars, I'm screwed, right? There's no coming back. You can't dig out of that hole. That's sad to think about for the old mom and pop shop. If you start a business and it's been your lifelong dream, let's say you wanted to have a scone company and you have a little scone cafe in a nice part of town. But let's be honest, your scones suck. 
They're too dry. Are scones supposed to be dry? What are we looking for with a scone, by the way? Moist? Do we want moist? There's a large percentage of Americans that hate the word moist, by the way. So I'll stop using it. But do people like when a scone is dry and crumbly? Because if you're going to order something, you should know what it should taste like. Am I right? Am I right? Huh? Is there a standing ovation happening that I can't see right now? It's like biscotti. I hate biscotti. It's crunchy. And I once had somebody tell me, it doesn't have to be crunchy. That means you've never had good biscotti. So I guess there's some biscotti out there that's not crunchy. Is that right? It's chewy. So if I went to a biscotti shop, what the hell am I talking about right now? Oh yeah, Yelp. But biscotti, scones, yeah, it could destroy your business if it was your lifelong dream to open up a business. And then the first four or five Yelp posts are just one star, the worst, the worst, worst in the world. I mean, I could try to go at the Yelpers. Hey, customer, I'm sorry you had that experience. I'll invite you back in for a free bagel. And they just write back, fuck off. No one needs your bagels. Could get ugly. Don't engage. Ask yourself this question right now. Would you ever go eat at a restaurant if they had two and a half stars? Even if one of your buddies was like, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's pretty good food. Pretty good service. But you went online and you're like, two and a half stars. Would you ever go into that location? Nope. What about three? Probably not. Three and a half? You still question it. I hate to say it. Unless it's a restaurant that I remember from childhood being really good in my memories, the nostalgia is still powerful enough that I'll enjoy it no matter what. Then usually I'll avoid anything three and a half or below. I'm looking for fours, folks. I'm looking for the fours, four and a halves, and fives. Are there any fives out there? Honestly, are there any five restaurants around me? Because I gots to go. All right, I watched the Oscars. Uh, this is a very dated reference. Feels like the Oscars were about a month ago. But I watched the Oscars. Of course, I didn't know many of the movies. So I play catch up. Play catch up. Write down a little list of things I need to see. And best documentary at the Oscars went to Free Solo. I had heard of it. This guy, Alex Honnold. It's about this incredible rock climber, Alex Honnold. He was on 60 Minutes a couple of years ago. And Joe Rogan had him on his podcast as well. And he's just the most dominant rock climber in the history of the sport. And it is a sport. Okay? So, I'll make the point right now. Nobody dominates their sport like Alex Honnold dominates rock climbing. Nobody actually even comes close. You name the sport right now. Golf, tennis, ice skating, basketball, baseball, hockey, bowling, ping pong, snowboarding. Nobody even comes close to dominating a sport like Alex. Alex is actually not even a human. That's my main takeaway. Humans don't act like this guy. Humans don't even really look like this guy. I hate to say it, but he had eyes like a badger. You know, he still looks like a human in most ways. You know, most of his traits and qualities and characteristics. But some of him looks animal-like. Like he has possum hair. He has badger eyes. And his hands, those are like lion paws. So I guess he's a human. And what he likes to do is rock climb without ropes. Thus the name Free Solo. And no parachute either. Everybody already knows what the movie's about and what the result is. Free Solo means he's just going to climb the face of El Cap. Oh no, not the backside. Not a nice hike. 
documentary. Hey, it's a hiking documentary. No, this guy's just going to climb El Cap, the face of it. No ropes, no parachute. So you have a camera crew, National Geographic. They do a phenomenal job. It's a beautiful documentary. It's well done. It's worthy of best documentary at the Oscars. However, I have to ask the big question. Isn't this the big question right now? Is it still a movie if he dies? All of the cameramen, the director, cinematographer, everybody involved knew there was a chance this guy might die. We just might film a guy die. Falling down the rocky cliffs. There was actually a good chance that would happen. Even though I said he's a dominant rock climber, no person should really do what he did or what he does probably every day. Even today, he probably did something where I would have died. Actually, 99.99999. I don't even have a percentage high enough. All of us would have died if we tried to do anything this guy does. So it's about endurance, precision, and being fearless, literally fearless. They put him through a CAT scan and they looked at his amygdala. I guess that's the fear center of our brain. Not a lot of activity. Nothing's really stimulating this guy. I'm pretty sure he does not have fears. So when he goes rock climbing, he doesn't look at it the way we all look at it. When I was watching this documentary, when I'm looking at it, I was sweating. My heart starts beating, even though we know the result. I was honestly chewing on the collar of my shirt. That's how nervous I was. How could you be so nervous knowing that he actually gets to the top of El Cap? And all he says is, I'm super delighted. And he kind of sheds a tear, I think. I don't know. Maybe that was special effects. Maybe some Hollywood special effects to make him look human. But he's not human. He's a robot. I mean, he has a real girlfriend and she's real cool. Sonny. But she fell in love with the wrong guy. Because I hate to say it, and I know this sounds morbid, but the least surprising story will be if this guy dies. Part of what he does is tempting the Grim Reaper. That's what makes the movie. That's what we want to see. It's a feat that should never be done. And it's also just gorgeous. You're looking at Yosemite Valley the entire time. But I do wonder, would they have released a film if he dies? Is it just going to be an extended version of Faces of Death? Anybody remember Faces of Death? Driver's Ed? They would show you to scare you? Oh, boy. No, that was red asphalt. Faces of Death is what you rent on sleepovers in 7th or 8th grade. Rentals. VHS rentals. When parents go to sleep, that's when we're going to watch people dying. Morbid. Just an awful movie. Faces of Death 1, 2, 3, 4. Are they still going? These are real movies. Just watching people die. I guess you can capture this ugly glory on YouTube nowadays, but you used to have to find this as like bootleg copies, like tougher than anything when you're a young kid growing up in the early 90s trying to find faces of death. And why would we even want to do that? But I guess that part of us, you know, for anybody listening right now that kind of remembers, oh yeah, we used to watch faces of death, but those awful movies, the part of us that's drawn to that is the same part of us that watches free solo. Nobody wants to see Alex die, but there's a chance. There's a chance. These cameramen were watching it in real time. And you even see one of the cameramen who's like, I can't watch this. I just can't. And they're friends with him too. So they support him and they know he's a gifted rock climber. But at the same time, they're like, what are we doing? Like they had a moral moment. They were just like, are we going to film a death? Is that what we're doing? It's an insane movie. El Cap should not be climbed. It shouldn't. And he just does it in three hours, 34 minutes. So I don't even want to get into the endurance and conditioning and the type of shape this guy's in. Obviously, you know, incredible shape, but it goes beyond that. This really was a psychological study on what's wrong with him. 
or what's right with him. I don't know. It was good though. All the thumbs up. And the other movie I had to see after watching the Oscars was Bohemian Rhapsody. Of course, Rami Malek, the guy who plays Freddie Mercury, actually wins Best Actor. And I don't know if he deserved it. As I'm watching his speech, I go, good for him. I don't know because I didn't see any of the other movies. I didn't see any of the other nominees and their work. I will. I will slowly catch up. It's kind of a great tradition, too, to see all the Oscar movies after the award show because then you're really inspired. A movie with a reputation, I kind of like it. I don't have to be the guy that discovered the movie and tells all my friends, you got to see this. I kind of like to be late to the party and go, yeah, that was good. Or, yeah, that was pretty overrated. But Bohemian Rhapsody, it was a little overrated. It was good. It was like a B plus, as strong of a B plus as you're going to find. Some flaws for me, I guess, of course, I have to accept that it's a PG version, PG-13, because you could have gone rated R. You could have gone NC-17 with Freddie Mercury. They never really show the substance abuse. They never really show him doing coke and, you know, getting too out of control, which he was. But they kind of just show Freddie. His ego gets out of control and the band rises and then they fall apart. And then Freddie comes back to them and says, I need you guys for Live Aid at Wembley. And he already knows he's dying of AIDS and he shares that with his band. And they come together and it culminates in a great performance at Wembley Stadium, where he just commands the crowd, over 100,000. God, you talk about a rock star's mindset. How could your heart not just jump out of your chest? On a stage, looking at a sea of people who all know every lyric of your songs? Insane. But he had one of those egos where he's like, yes, of course these people should be enjoying my music. Healthy ego. The type of ego you need to succeed, I guess, as a rock star. But a few things. Number one, they were already queen in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I wanted to see more of the backstory, more of how it comes together. I actually wanted to see more of Freddie's backstory, the family. But instead, he's just like a rebellious teen who goes and finds the band, and they're already ready. They're already ready for Freddie. Their lead singer just quits, and he just joins. By singing in the parking lot, they're like, you're hired. You're the guy. I was like, really? That's kind of a rapid formation of a legendary band. So I highly doubt I got the real story. I know I should probably watch a Queen documentary and not rely on this to tell the story of Queen, but this really focuses on Freddie. And I know Freddie's the face, but come on. Brian May, the greatest guitarist ever? Tell me a little bit about him. Roger Taylor, the incredible drummer? Tell me a little bit about him. This just became Freddie and Rami Malek and his big teeth and his sexuality. It was all done really well. Done tastefully. The lip singing was fine. But you think about some of the great biopics of legendary rock stars, what Val Kilmer did to Jim Morrison, what Jamie Foxx did to Ray Charles, what Lou Diamond Phillips did to Richie Valens, what Joaquin Phoenix did to Johnny Cash. I mean, there's a long list of really good biopics when it comes to the world of music. This wasn't one of them. It was just good. But this wasn't like The Doors. This wasn't like La Bamba. This wasn't like Ray. This was just palatable for mainstream America. I feel like Queen had more drama to them. And it sounds like I'm being critical, but it's an enjoyable watch. Here's why I hold it to a high standard, though. I'm pretty sure Queen's my favorite band of all time. I'm pretty sure I'm a fanatic. And here's why. I remember in the dorms, I couldn't afford cable, but I had a TV and a VCR. That's a weird thing to have if you don't have cable. So what does that mean? Yeah, I said VCR. I would actually go to the Love Library at San Diego State, and they had VHS tapes, and I would rent them 
or check them out. I feel like I was still back then the only person doing this, the librarian. I was like, you're the only motherfucker. Actually, I doubt the librarian used profanity, but I would come in at least twice a month, get an old Woody Allen, a Spike Lee. I even remember watching Cool Hand Luke alone. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see what it's all about. Paul Newman, give me a classic. It was good. It was slow. Anybody who's going to go back in time and try to watch a classic, you got to realize they're slow. Have some patience. It's amazing how movies are edited nowadays. For the impatient moviegoer, wow, quick edits. There's a score going through every scene. There's really no buildup, no buildup, no buildup. They rely on all of us to have really short attention spans. When we go to the movies, we need action, 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 action. No scene breathes, breathes, breathes. When you go and watch a classic like Cool Hand Luke, you got to just take some breaths. And realize this scene is going to breathe. They might just have Paul Newman walk around his car for about 34 seconds of silence. And you could hear the dirt crunch under his boots. And everybody goes, wait till you get to the egg scene. Wait till you get to the hard-boiled egg scene. And then you get there and you're like, all right, this had quite a rep. Was it good? I think it was fine. Isn't that what you're in the mood for right now? A Cool Hand Luke review? But I digress. Shit. It's one of those podcasts where I'm even annoying myself. I'm getting off topic so much. Okay, this is about Queen. So I remember seeing live in concert, Montreal, 1981. And this is way before I liked Queen. I just knew the stadium jams. We will rock you. We are the champions. You know, the songs, the commercialized songs that everybody knew. And I actually take this tape and once again, watched it alone. Is that the theme? I watched VHS tapes alone in college. It was a crazy time. Man, would we rage. We would... Not we, I guess. I would rent Queen and watch Freddy dance all over the stage in the short white shorts and the Superman tank top. But it was on a different level. It was on a different level. That's how talented this guy was. I mean, you're talking about a classically trained pianist. He could play the guitar. He would just pick up any instrument, dance his ass off, sing with all the bandmates, slow it down, love of my life, on a stool, ballads, insane. I think I've said this before. They were like incorporating every genre. You hear punk, you hear metal, you hear hip hop, you hear punk, you hear funk. Did I say punk twice? Probably. But they had range, unbelievable range. So that's when I fell in love. And you think this story plummeted. Uh Uh-uh, gets better. When I was at the Mighty 1090, I think in my first year working in radio, obviously radio stations have ticket giveaways So a lot of the hosts are fortunate to get free tickets to many, many events. And I remember one of the guys in sales, his name was Rich Elrod. Good guy. I even think he did PA announcing for the Pacers at one point, or he did WWF ringside announcing too. Good dude, Rich. He had queen tickets and it wasn't Freddie. Obviously we're talking about 2004. I think it was Paul Rogers from bad company on the mic. And this guy was unbelievably good. You would think you're going to see Queen without Freddie. You know, that's probably going to be a shitty show. Uh, no, it's probably the greatest concert I've ever been to. Why do I say, uh, no, like anyone's disagreeing with me right now. But I was in row 17. I don't know why I remember that. I think I have glitches in my brain where I can't forget certain things that don't matter at all. But row 17 at Cox Arena, it's now called Viejas Arena, for a Queen show, it's still the band. It's still the same exact sound. And then... 
And then they bring down the jumbo screen and they start to sing with Freddie. You got Brian May soloing with Freddie singing. And it happened, folks. I'll say it right now. I cried. Yeah, I cried. A very vulnerable moment. Crying into my Coors Light. Radio someone. Did I cry to radio? That was a good Queen hit. I want to break free. Actually, their worst songs, you can make a case, are the ones that they play at basketball games and football games. I mean, those are fine, but it's not really like you get to hear the range. I'm the Queen snob all of a sudden. Yeah, I've seen them live. Yeah, I used to watch their VHS tapes in college. No biggie. I'm your guy. You want to talk Queen? I'm your guy. There's virtually zero people that want to talk about Queen with me. But I do think they're going through a renaissance. Because of this movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, I do think a lot of people are on board, like rediscovering their music, watching YouTube to see the real Freddy. That doesn't make any sense unless you've seen this movie. I will say, just like Yelp, though, you might want to see the star amount before you go with a business or go to a restaurant. I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes for Bohemian Rhapsody. For an Oscar-worthy film, it's only about 60%. And Richard Roper used to be Roper and Ebert. Ebert and Roper. Finkel and Einhorn. Einhorn and Finkel. But he wrote, it was so bad. I mean, he gave it the most rotten of Rotten Tomato scores. He's like, it was so bad. That at least it leaves the door open for another biopic to truly capture Freddie and Queen in the future. I was like, wow, people worked hard on this movie and this dude just goes. Critics, I know I've talked about critics, but wow, when they slay something, you just sit back and go, wow, a lot of people who worked hard have to read that. You got to have thick skin. When you create art, you have to have thick skin. That's the message today. However, I can't criticize critics. Because I kind of feel like that's a large portion of what this podcast has become. Here we go. Critics. You know, they respond to things that they consume, things that they watch. Don't we all? Who goes to a restaurant and just eats the food and leaves and goes, that was fine? Who leaves a movie theater and goes, that was fine? No, we're all so opinionated in this society. That's a good thing. Some things are good. Some things are bad. Even these podcasts, they get rated. Leave a rating. That's a reminder. Leave one on iTunes if you want. If you can spare the five seconds in your life. However, I'm actually not being sarcastic. When people get truly busy, like I've been feeling it. I've been feeling it a little bit lately. You don't even have time to do the little things. Like I still floss. Don't get me wrong. I still floss. But a part of me goes, Ugh, that's 45 seconds. I can't get back. You know, when the ding goes off in my car telling me that I have to go to the gas station, I go, damn, I didn't schedule that in my day. It's like the little things I got to calm down about. We just got to do the little things. You know, the little things like buying your sixth mattress in the last three months. We just got to do it. Oh, yeah, I did it. I got a nest bed. Uh, Look it up. It's a bed in a box. I'm pretty sure I'm not crazy, but the amount of mattresses I buy. I buy more mattresses than I do pairs of socks. I buy more mattresses than I do loaves of bread. Okay, folks, I think we just realized I'm nuts. Wow, it took me 50 episodes to reach this conclusion. But I'm a nuts, mixed bag of nuts. You know what else is nuts? The new Michael Jackson documentary. I don't have to watch it. 
Not just because I discontinued HBO and I can't watch it, but I don't have to watch it. I already know. I already know. Sexually assaulted little kids. We know this. Here's the weird part. You have radio stations now banning his music? Like there was breaking news, a new revelation? Didn't we know this? What's with the uproar? Michael Jackson sexually assaulted kids at his Neverland Ranch mansion? Yeah! This story came out a long time ago. It's always weird when a documentary brings something to the service and now people get mad again. It's like radio stations are now banning his music all of a sudden. Hmm. Were you just ignorant? Were you naive? Did you turn the other way? Because you're like, our listeners love Billy Jean. We got to play Billy Jean. What's that? The documentary makes him look even worse than he already looked. Okay, no more Billy Jean. All right, radio stations. But that's what I saw on Twitter. BBC or radio stations in Canada and Europe. New Zealand yanking Michael off their radio of an HBO documentary in 2019. What are you kidding me? And the only reason Freddie ain't the greatest entertainer of all time, it's because Michael was. It's undisputable. Indisputable? Undisputable. I should Google that. But there, it was the best. That's why people are so brokenhearted. Because they go, damn, I can't erase the memories of when Michael Jackson was just on top of the world. The music was good. The dancing was good. The videos. Can't miss videos. I mean, he was sitting on top of the world. He was not just big in the U.S. He would go to other countries and they would faint. He would dress like a lieutenant, like a general, but very shiny, you know? Seemed like he would dress. like It was almost military garb, but with a little Vegas flavor to it. I remember watching MTV had a special just where he goes city to city around the world. And when he gets off of airplanes, people faint. I was like, wow, it does not get bigger. I almost fainted the other day again, actually, in front of my class. No joke. Seventh period, last period of the day. I didn't realize I was probably dehydrated, but just mid-talk. I was like, I gotta sit down. I gotta sit down. And then when I didn't faint, had a sip of water, and kind of got myself back to consciousness, full consciousness, I looked at the class, and they were all very weirded out. Like, what just happened? I was like... Be honest, raise your hand if you wanted me to faint back there. And there were like a couple of hands. Most of the kids compassionate. But I was like, yeah, I guess if it reached that point where I told the kids, I got to sit down, I'm, I'm lightheaded from doing nothing. How out of shape am I? I walked back and forth talking about totalitarianism. And now I'm like, I am going to faint. I bet there was one kid, at least one who was like, drop, drop, motherfucker. I ain't going to remember anything about this school year. Unless you faint right now, then I'll never forget it. Where were we? Michael Jackson banned from radio stations a little late. Oh yeah, you can't erase memories. Think about that. All the people that enjoyed watching O.J. Simpson play football at USC and with the Buffalo Bills, and now they have to hate him. They can't talk about him. You can't bring up O.J. in a sports discussion. Just nonchalantly. All like, yeah, I think Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, O.J. You can't even say O.J. without people immediately thinking of murders. Same with Michael Jackson. I think we've reached that point. You can't just talk about Michael's music anymore. You got to talk about the sexual assault. It's a long list of celebrities. How about Bill Cosby? How sad is that? All these comics who were inspired by Bill Cosby. One of the greatest ever. Now they can't really just freely talk about his talent. And he was talented. But even saying that right now, I'm like, "Eh, I don't really want to compliment the guy. He was a lifelong rapist. I don't think I should just be dousing him with praise right now. 
So Michael falls into that category too. All right, I think I should end this. I hope it doesn't sound like I just sit in front of my TV all that much, but I also saw the Sam Cooke documentary on Netflix. Anybody see that? The Two Killings of Sam Cooke? What a voice. I just got to give you my two takeaways. Hold on, hold on. Don't, don't, don't stop it. Don't press pause right now. Don't, 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 don't. That's the sound of the man working on, you know him. Cupid, that it. Change is going to come. Darling, you send me. You're like, oh, okay, I know these songs. I know Sam Cooke. Twisting the Night Away. Amazing singer. At one point, I think Elvis was the only bigger name in music. Or maybe Sinatra and Elvis and Sam was in the discussion. But in this documentary, and he was killed when he was with a call girl. It's just a weird, ugly story. Can you hear this beagle snoring right now, by the way? Is that being picked up on the mic? Muggsy, keep snoring. <laughs> you hear this? All right. That old dog. That old sidekick. He hasn't lost a step. Actually, yeah, he has. He's lost all of his steps. Oh, yeah, two things in this documentary. Number one. They said Sam would perform much differently for white America than when he was performing for black audiences. And they had recordings that were never released by RCA. How sad is that? Some of his greatest recordings where there was a little more soul and edge to his performance for black audiences, RCA didn't want to release it. But instead, when it was, you know, a little more polished and smooth and clean enough for white audiences, the Ed Sullivan performances, you know, that's the stuff that RCA wanted. And there are so many conspiracy theories about who actually killed him. You know, was it a setup by the FBI because he was becoming too influential and he would have been a big time activist like Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown using their platform to open up people's eyes about the plight, about how black people have been suffering. And so they didn't even want his lyrics to tiptoe into the territory of honesty. They just wanted it to be, you know, love songs they could play at school dances. But Sam started to become outspoken and he was starting to use his platform, and that is when he was mysteriously killed. And I think it was Muhammad Ali who said, if this was a white entertainer, there would have been a monster investigation. But really, there wasn't. There just wasn't a big enough investigation. So that's part of the documentary. But most of it is really, you know, his upbringing, church singing, uh, his history in Chicago during Great Oppression, segregation, and the civil rights movement. So it's a really, really well-done, watchable, short documentary, which I like. And they do show him doing a cover of Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind. I'll say it, doing it better than Bob. Sometimes a cover is better than the original. You heard me, Lauren Hill. Can't take my eyes off of you. A little better than Frankie Valley, right? There's a list. There's a list of people who cover a song and you go, yeah, that was better than the original. Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. That's better than Dolly Parton's. Or was Dolly's a cover of something? I don't know. I don't really know. Do you know? No? Don't Google it then. All right, so... They said, how embarrassing in this documentary that Bob Dylan during the civil rights movement is being recognized for his song. And the point they were making is black entertainers did not have the ability to become famous with the lyrics of their choice. They were highly censored by record companies, even the ones that were signed. You know, they weren't just free to preach through their music. A lot of the time, some of these entertainers, they still had to stay on their circuit. And they're like, Bob Dylan, this white guy, this folk singer, he's getting all this credit for his powerful lyrics about change. 
when really people said, let Sam speak, you know, let Sam be Sam. But he was kind of monitored very closely. You know, keep him mainstream. Keep it bubblegum, Sam. All right, so there it is. Just a lot of reviews. A lot of reviews. Let's do a Yelp review of this podcast. Was this a two and a half? Was this a three? Three and a half, four? If you drop a one, I'm going to write back to you. I'll be the business owner who writes back, customer, I'm sorry you had that experience. In episode 51, the next one, I promise to cater to your listening needs. I hope you'll come back. All right, that's 50. We got to 50 of these podcasts. We did it. 50 more, and then let's celebrate in the streets. 50 more, and then I'm just going to go streaking through the quad. Who's coming with me? All right, episode 50 is now officially in the books. I'll talk to you soon.